Lesson 2 for April 6 to 13, ready for teaching on April 13, The Choices We Make. This lesson was recorded in Sydney, Australia, and is part of the series The Seasons of Life. It is available as a podcast at hopechannel.com. Sabbath afternoon, April 6. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we open your word this week, as we look at the choices that we make in light of the blessings that we receive from you and the instruction we see from your word, we pray that this week not only will we find life choices that, that we need to make, but may we also find you and what you want for us. Bless us each one, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Let's read that again, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Ever notice that life is full of choices? In fact, one could argue that in many ways what we do all day from the moment we get up until we go to bed is make choices. We make so many choices that often we don't even think about them. We just make them. Some choices are simple and even become routine, while others are life-changing and have eternal consequences, not only for us, but even for our own families. Hence, how crucial that we think through our choices, especially the big ones, the ones that can impact us and our families for the rest of not only our own lives, but our family members' lives as well. How many of us to this day regret choices we have made? How many to this day live with the wreckage from wrong choices made long ago? Fortunately, there is forgiveness, there is redemption, and there is healing even for the worst of decisions. This week, we will look in a very broad way at the question of the choices we make, how we should make them, and what impact these choices can have on ourselves and our family. Sunday, April 7. Free will, free choice. Some Christians believe that God has chosen, even before a person was born, whether or not that person will be saved. That is, those who in the end are lost eternally are lost because God in his wisdom, this theology claims, made that choice for this person to be lost. Which means then that regardless of their choices, that person will be condemned. 
Fortunately, as Seventh-day Adventists, we don't ascribe to that theology. Instead, we believe that God has chosen for all of us to be saved, and that even before the world began, we were chosen in Him to have eternal life. Question, read Ephesians 1, 1 1-4, Titus 1, 1 and 2, 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 and 9. What do these verses tell us about being chosen by God and when we were chosen? First of all, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. And Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. However good this news, some people will still be lost, as it says in Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And that's because, though God has chosen us all, he has given humans a most sacred gift, and that is free will, free choice. Question, what does Matthew 22, verses 35 to 37, teach about free will? Matthew 22, beginning at verse 35. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The Lord does not force us to love him. Love, in order to be love, has to be freely given. In many ways, one could argue that the Bible is the story of God reaching out to lost human beings and seeking, without coercion, to win their hearts to himself. This reality can best be seen in the life and ministry of Jesus and how people, using their free will, reacted to him. Some were drawn to him, others wanted him dead. Yes, God has chosen us for salvation, but in the end, we have to make the choice to accept that salvation. There is no question that of all the choices that we have to make, the choice to serve the Lord is by far the most consequential for us and for those who are impacted, such as our immediate family, by our life and the choices that we make in it. 
Monday, April 8, Making the Right Choices We all know very well the importance of the choices we make. And we all know, too, how wrong choices can very negatively impact our lives and the lives of others. The question is, how do we know how to make the right choices? Question. The following verses give us some general steps that can help us in our quest to make the right decisions. What are these steps? Number 1. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 and James 1 verse 5. First, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And... The next verse is James 1, 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And the next verse is to look at are Isaiah 1, verse 19, and Matthew seven twenty four and 25. First of all, Isaiah 1, 19. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And Matthew 7, verse 24 and 25 read, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And then Psalm 119, verse 105, and Second Timothy 3.16. Psalm 119, verse 5. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then there's Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 and Isaiah 58 verse 11. Proverbs 3 beginning at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And Isaiah 58 verse 11, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And Proverbs 20, sorry, Proverbs 15 verse 22 and Proverbs 24 verse 6. Proverbs 15 verse 22, Without counsel plans go awry, but in the multitude of counsellors they are established. And Proverbs 24, verse 6, For by wise counsel you will wage war, you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counsellors there is safety. In every important decision we make, how crucial that we go to the Lord in prayer, that we make sure our choice will not lead us to violate God's law in any way, or even the principles of His word. How crucial that we trust in God, that we surrender our choice to Him. That is, we must pray that the choices we make will glorify Him and that we are ready to surrender our own desires if they go against His plan for our lives. Many times, too, wise counsellors can be a great help as we seek to make choices. 
In the end, we can have great assurance knowing that God loves and wants what's best for us, and that if we in faith and humility surrender our lives to Him, we can move ahead in faith on the choices we make. And so to finish today, how do you go about making big choices in your life? What, if any, spiritual steps do you take in seeking to make these choices? Tuesday, April 9. Choosing Friends One of the most important choices we'll ever make is our friends. Most of the time we don't set out to make friends. Often, friendships simply develop naturally as we spend time with people who enjoy some of the same things we do. Question. What principles in choosing friends do we find in the following verses? Proverbs 12, verse 26 The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 17.17 A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18.24 A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways, and set a snare for your soul. Proverbs 8.24 says that if we want to have friends, we must be friendly. Sometimes people find themselves alone, but their morose negative attitude is what drives others away. Ellen White writes in Pastoral Ministry, page 95, Even the best of us have these unlovely traits, and in selecting friends, we should choose those who will not be driven away from us when they learn that we are not perfect. Mutual forbearance is called for. We should love and respect one another, notwithstanding the faults and imperfections that we cannot help seeing. For this is the Spirit of Christ. Humility and self-distrust should be cultivated and a patient tenderness with the faults of others. This will kill out all narrowing selfishness and make us large-hearted and generous. End of quote. One of the best-known stories of the friendship is that between David and Jonathan. Had Saul, Israel's first king, and Jonathan's father, been faithful and obedient, his kingdom might have lasted for several generations, and Jonathan could have been the successor to his throne. When Saul proved unworthy of his call, God chose David as the new king of Israel, thus disqualifying Jonathan for what otherwise should have been rightfully his. Here we have a powerful example of how the wrong choices of one family member, Saul, impacted another family member, Jonathan. But Jonathan was not angry or jealous of David. Instead, he chose to help David by protecting him from the anger of his own father, Saul. 
The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. 1 Samuel 18 verse 1 What a powerful example of true friendship. And so, to finish today, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits, we read in 1 Corinthians 15.33. What has been your own experience with friends, even those who might have meant you no harm, but who ended up harming you anyway? How can wrong choices in friendships hurt family relationships? Wednesday, April 10. Choosing a life partner. If you're supposed to choose your friends carefully, you must be even more careful when it comes to choosing your future spouse. Adam was very blessed that God designed his life companion with his own hands and from within him. Adam's choice was easy, since Eve was not just the only woman, but the perfect woman. The rest of us have a more difficult time, since none of us is perfect and we have many more people to choose from. Because this decision is so important, God has not left us without guidance in this area of our lives. Besides all the important steps we looked at in Monday's lessons, there are some more specific steps to follow in considering the question of marriage. We will look at the whole question of marriage more carefully in Lesson 6. Indeed, outside of the choice to serve God, the question of a spouse will almost always be the most consequential choice anyone makes in their lives. Question, what very general guidance is found in the following texts that could and should be applied to someone seeking the right partner in marriage? First of all, we'll go to Psalm 37 and verse 27. Depart from evil and do good and dwell for evermore. And Psalm 119 verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good Habits and James 1 verses 23 to 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Besides looking for the right person to marry, be the right person first. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Matthew 7, verse 12. Someone could find a perfect potential spouse who has all the qualities one would want. But if the one who wants good qualities in the other lacks them in himself or herself, problems will arise. This is not new. 
and is certainly seen not only in marriage, but in life in general. Paul spends a great deal of time in the opening of Romans talking to those who condemn others for doing what they, the ones condemning, also are guilty of. Or, as Jesus said in Matthew 7 verse 3, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? So to finish today, how often do you find yourself wishing others, your spouse perhaps, had traits that, in fact, you lack yourself? Think about it. Thursday, April 11, Choosing a Course At some time we have to make a choice about what we want to do with our lives in terms of a job or career. Unless independently wealthy or working full-time at home, taking care of the house and family, the most noble of all occupations, many people have to choose a path as far as earning a living goes. Of course, we all exist in certain circumstances that can, to a great degree, limit our choices regarding a career. But, within whatever sphere we exist, we can make choices regarding our occupation that, especially in the context of knowing that we have a Saviour in Jesus Christ, can give our lives added meaning and purpose. In short, whatever we do, we can do for the glory of God. Question, what mistake did Solomon make, and how can we be careful not to do something similar? Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through to 11. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart, how to gratify my flesh with wine, while guiding my heart with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants, and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold, and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, and the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great, and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labour, and this was my reward from all my labour. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on the labour in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under 
the sun. We don't need to be rich to get caught up in the same trap that Solomon did. As it says in 1 Timothy uh, 6 verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. One can be poor and love money just as much as someone does who is rich. Yes, we need to earn a living, but regardless of what we do or how much we make, we need not make the pursuit of wealth an idol. Many families, too, have suffered because of a father who, obsessed with making money, neglected the family in order to try to get rich. How many children or spouses would have preferred a humbler lifestyle over an impoverished relationship with the father? In most cases, people would have preferred the former over the latter. From creation, God planned for work to be part of life, as we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. The danger is when we make our work the centre of our life, or it becomes a means of solely acquiring wealth for ourselves. This is the mistake Solomon made. He was searching for meaning in those projects, and even though many brought him a degree of satisfaction, at the end he figured out that they were meaningless. So to finish today, someone once asked how many people at the end of their lives wished they had spent more time in the office and less time with their family. What's the important message in this question? Friday, April 12. All through Scripture we are confronted with the reality of human free will. Even the unfallen Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 had free will, and they unfortunately made the wrong choice with it. If unfallen beings in perfection could misuse free will, how much more so beings like ourselves steeped in sin? And we need to remember that free will is just that, free, which means that regardless of the pressure on us, both from within and without, we don't have to choose what is wrong. We can, through the power of God in us, make the right choices with the free will God has given us. Thus, how important that we carefully weigh our decisions, especially thinking about how those decisions can impact our family lives. The free-will choice of Cain to kill his brother surely devastated his family. The free-will decision of Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery ruined his father's life. As we read in Genesis 23, verses 30, sorry, Genesis 37, verses 33 to 35. And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, 
For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. All through the Bible, as in life, we can find examples of how the free choices of family members, for good or evil, impact others, such as the choices of Korah, Dathan and Abiram, as we read in Numbers chapter 16 verses 1 through to 32. Now Korah, the son of Izzah, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and he will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses he will cause to come near to him. Do this, take censers, Korah and all your company, put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself? to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve him, and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord with you, and they as well as Aaron. Let each one take his censer and put incense in it, and each of you bring his censer before the Lord. Two hundred and fifty censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. 
Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and you be angry with all the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of the Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally, like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and their households, and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. And Daniel 6, verses 23 and 24, Now the king was exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men that were had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children and their wives, and the lions overpowered them, and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. And Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And that brings us to our discussion questions for this week. There are four. Number one, what are some of the free choices you made today? What do they tell you about yourself and your relationship with God and with others? Of the choices you made, which ones, if any, do you wish you had made differently? 2. What Bible characters made wrong choices? And what can we learn from their mistakes? How did their wrong choices negatively impact their families? 3. No question, we all have regrets about wrong choices we have made. Why, in times of those regrets, is the gospel such good news? What promises from the Bible have you claimed in times of distress and guilt over wrong choices? And four, if some people were to come to you talking about marriage, what advice would you give them and why? What principles can you point to from the Word of God to help them work through this important decision?
Inside Story. Our mission story this week is titled Brazilian Dodgers Bombs and it's by Carolyn Azo. Dismayed by news reports of starving people in Africa, Marcelo Donelas left a comfortable life in Brazil to provide ADRA relief in the war-torn countries of Mozambique, Angola and Iraq. Although only 48, Dornells has white hair and a well-lined face that testifies of years of arduous humanitarian work amid bomb explosions, intense sun, severe cold and pounding rain. He wouldn't change a thing. I was very satisfied in 1990, even though I had a comfortable life, Dornells said in an interview in the Iraqi city of Erbil when he worked as director of ADRA Kurdistan. I felt a desire to help when I saw television images of people dying of hunger in Ethiopia and Somalia, where there was war at that time. I knew God was calling me. His first assignment was to help the Adventist Development and Relief Agency establish food programs for people displaced by conflict and drought in 100 villages in Mozambique. The country had been mired in civil war since 1977, and a peace agreement would not be reached until 1992. When I arrived, I realised that the situation was more complicated than I had thought, Dornell said, but I could not turn back. Much help was needed. He worked in Mozambique for eight months, and he said his desire to help others only grew stronger but a medical emergency involving his mother prompted him to cut short his work and return to Brazil to care for her. His next assignment, to Angola, brought him to a country in the midst of a 27-year civil war. His first years were horrific as he saw desperate people eat shoes and dead dogs. During a military offensive in 1993, he saved 20 children from starvation and bomb blasts by sheltering them in his home in the provincial capital of Malangi in northern Angola. What I saw in the streets was terrible. Dozens of children who were only skin and bones dying of hunger, he said. I could not bear such misery, so I gathered the children whom I met, brought them to my house and fed them. He also worked with ADRA to place more than 200 orphan children with Adventist families in Malungi. In 2016, Dornells moved to Iraq to help internally displaced people there. He's a guy with a big heart, said Leander Reyes, a Brazilian who works as Chief Financial Officer for ADRA in Kurdistan. You have been listening to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide by Dr. Percy Harold from Queensland, Australia. This service is brought to you by Hope Channel, the Sabbath School Department and Christian Services for the Blind. Remember, God is always faithful.